When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Reveille, reveille, donks. Look at us now, tip to tip. This is our life. This is our passion. That's the spirit we bring to this show. I'm Luke Thomas. I'm Brian Campbell. This is Morning Combat. Oh, yeah, that Friday feel. The art is in the air. Can you feel that it's Friday, May 19th, 2023? And what you're looking at right here, the award-winning morning combat, the best damn 90 minutes in combat sports or your money back. You're looking at a co-hostess with the mostest right here, the BBC with that BDE, Connecticut's finest. It's Brian Campbell, but the man next to me is really, is really the reason while you arrived on this doorstep. He's the best fight analyst in the game today. Uh, never sweet and always sour. <laughs> it's sort of the opposite of Rashad, but uh, we love him just the same. It's Luke Thomas. Luke, happy Friday to you. Happy Friday. I'm like a Sour Patch kid, only there's no sweetness. It's just sour. It's just it's a just shitty... Dinner. By the way, yes. I, gave, I don't give my daughter much candy, BC. I know we got to move it along because we want to we wanna get to so much good content. I just wanted to say this. I let my daughter try a bite of a Sour Patch Kid, and I think she hates me now. So, you know, oh, what are you going to do? It could have been a euphoric experience for her. You, she, you know, you she, have... she didn't let herself get through the sour to yes. get to the sweet. She just, you know. Yeah. Was she swearing at you in Spanish, or is that just my imagination? No, I did. Oh, I'm so glad you brought that up. Do you know what she did the other day? I told her no about something. Then she walks around the corner starts talking bad about me to my wife in Spanish. Yes. Just dogging me out. I was like, I'm like, I know what you're saying. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Tooks is, uh, she's untouchable, Luke. She is uh, the Teflon Don of that household, of course. Hey, welcome in, guys. Thank you for joining us. We have a fantastic show for you today. Our lengthy Francis Ngannou reaction on Wednesday and uh, a great guest in coach Eric Nixick ran a little bit long. So we will be today previewing and making picks for your weekend fair from Devin Haney, Vasily Lomachenko to the return of Katie Taylor in Ireland, by the way, to UFC fight night and so much more in breaking news. This is it. This is the show. So uh, tip your waitresses, buy our merch morningcombat.store if you're interested and support the labels that support us. Showtime.com. Get your 30-day free trial right friggin' now, all right? Uh, Luke, do you have any nice messages for the people ahead of this great show that we're about to hit the pavement banging? Pull the charging handle to the rear. Let's bang, Tui. Yes, on big meat, 
Larry Hoover. All right, here we go. Topic number one. Hey, guys, this is a big one. It's Saturday night. It's for the Undisputed Lightweight Championship of the World. It's big time boxing in Las Vegas and on ESPN Plus pay-per-view. Devin Haney, 24 years old, undefeated four-belt champion at 135, taking on the former champion, the former pound-for-pound king, and really one of the most decorated, greatest fighters of this era, Vasily Lomachenko. Three-fight pay-per-view main card, 10 o'clock on Saturday night in the East Coast. Luke Thomas, as we stand right now entering this one, and you know how excited I am, minus 250, Devin Haney, your betting favorite, plus 200, Vasily Lomachenko. We'll get into why that is a big deal in a second. But Luke, first and foremost, I haven't even really been able to talk to you about this fight what the hell are you feeling entering tomorrow night? If this was Lomachenko from, you know, pre-Lopez, right? Pre-Teofimo Lopez fight before I think things got weird, then the pandemic hit, then Ukraine was attacked, and now he's 35 and blah, blah, blah. Pre-that, I would say this is too much of a hill to climb for Devin Haney, you know? But a lot has happened in that time including Lomachenko losing to Lopez, Lopez losing to Cambosis, Cambosis losing not once but twice to a traveling all the way to Australia, Devin Haney, Devin Haney playing this game quite honestly because you know privately I've expressed, obviously the guy is very talented. No one would take that away from him, but I just wasn't sure he was that guy in this division. But he has turned himself into that one, but there is something kind of lacking, which is that as good as those wins over Cambosis were and as much of a talent as he is, Lomachenko still kind of holds position as like the quality guy, maybe in the sport of boxing, certainly in this division. And I think he may be on his way up, but maybe not. But this is a fight where Haney, while already having the four belts, I think earns another level of respect if he can get this wins. What a showcase, ladies and gentlemen, not just in the MMA at 135 here, 135 in boxing as well. This is the division combat sport wide of Kings, massive stakes, massive intrigue, massive skill level between these guys. What is there not to like? I candidly cannot tell you. Grand Garden Arena is the site for Saturday night. And Lucas, things stand right now on my CBSSports.com top 10 boxing pound for pound list. I currently have Devin Haney at number 10. And I have Vasily Lomachenko as essentially number 11. He has dropped out of my rankings despite a three-fight win streak since the Lopez loss. This is a big theme coming in here at 35. Is this too hill, too big of a hill for, for Loma to climb? Because it's not just a bigger opponent, mind you. It's an incredibly skillful one. So if you don't know either of these guys, obviously Lomachenko is the Southpaw wizard can dart in and out, can do a million different things you never heard of in terms of footwork, in terms of unique combinations. But Luke, Devin Haney is like meat and potatoes, only he's the most polished version of that. He's tall, he's long, he's big. He uses the jab and controls distance like no one else. Certainly, we've got a slight questions in, involving both his chin and whether he truly has big fight knockout power, but... You could not ask for a better time, even though one of the narratives coming into here to make this fight right now is the complaints from Haney that this fight should have been made, in his opinion, four years ago, back when he was a 20-year-old prospect who had gotten some big wins and gotten some attention, but Lomachenko chose to go in a different direction. But Luke, to be fair in that regard, four years ago, Devin Haney's on zone. That's not an easy fight to make. Loma only fights the best. He ended up taking on Teofimo Lopez, as we talked about. But we're still here right now. So let's get into the big storylines and the, and the things heading into here. 
Luke, Devin Haney playing some mind games ahead of this. If you're watching the, the fight week build up as my cat Zoe is throwing up on the carpet right next to me as I film this. Just, <laughs> just great live content right here. Don't worry about it. I'll clean that up later. Um, okay, here's the deal. Haney's the younger fighter. Never been on a platform like this. Never headlined a monster pay-per-view like this before, despite the experience going to Australia twice last year and beating Cambosis on enemy territory. He has been using all the pre-fight press conferences, face-offs, all that, in my opinion, to try to get inside the head of Loma. I want to play a specific video that Top Rank captured that kind of puts this, uh, that crystallizes this idea. The two of them did a satellite interview against one another with a chess piece in the middle playing up the, you know, pound-for-pound pound technical side of this matchup. But Haney started getting after Loma a bit. Let's listen to it. We know, we know what he wants to do on the inside. He wants to make it a dirty fight. Right? Slip the jab. How do you know? Slip the jab. How do you know? Slip the jab. Where did you see a dirty fight during my during my career? Where? You know which fight? In which fight? You know that's your best which bet. Fight? You know that that's your best bet against me. What's the best? Like your best, your best bet. I mean, you best know, chance. Only thing best you can do. Oh, oh, best chance. chance. Yeah, that's only thing you can do. chance to die My best chance to do dirty fight? Yeah. Come on, man. Never. Have you ever seen him fighting dirty? <laughs> yes, I have. Where? where? All of your fights. Which one? All of your fights. Which one? Call me. So where where it was dirty? Where? Punching on the inside. When you say break, punch. Break, punch. No man. No. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> we know. We know what you're preparing. Good. Look, you've marveled at the footwork, the technique, the genius of this wizard Lomachenko. But a dirty fighter? Is there any truth to this in your eyes? No, but that's not the point. Not the point. He's calling it dirty to rattle Lomachenko, right? He's calling it dirty so that it puts maybe on some level the referee on notice. It puts the crowd on notice. It puts uh, Lomachenko on notice. It puts the corners on. Everyone has now got this kind of idea planted in their head. Is Lomachenko dirty? Or maybe he'll be dirty this time. Here's what he's talking about. Lomachenko does something very, very interesting. This is why I love this from Devin Haney. This is why it's a chess move. Lomachenko is very good on the inside about wrestling. And what I mean by that is what he'll do is he'll either other he'll sometimes he'll initiate the clinch, other times other guys will. That part is not so clear. But what he'll do is he'll pretend to kind of limp arm out of it. And then when the guys begin to disengage and pull away, he goes right back to it and changes rhythm and then works the body sometimes, or he can even sneak in sometimes a, a really big shot to the head, but he gets in work in that space. So the referee is like, it's at the space where like the referee is kind of there, but not, hasn't put their hands on him yet. Very, very clever, very small window. By the way, fully legal. Nothing about that is in any way illegal or dirty. But it is clever. It is highly effective. And if you just think about what Haney's really good at, jabbing on the outside, right, using his length, using his reach and speed, those kinds of things, the inside space is where I think Lomachenko could conceivably have a fair amount of success. So what Devin Haney is doing is saying, no, 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 that's actually dirty fighting, almost like putting everyone on notice to look for it, for him to complain, for him to invite the referee for quicker intervention, to take that part of the game away from him oh yeah or as you mentioned to put everyone else on alert so what did nevada state athletic commission do a couple weeks ago they assigned harvey doc as the referee respected guy out of the new york state and luke if there's any sort of strike zone to talk about what doc does he is a by the rule referee tends to stop let's say earlier than later safe somewhat conservative referee we'll have to see if this type of 
early pre-fight jabbering plays into that at all. There's, they've also named, just to note, as judges, Tim Cheatham, David Sutherland, and Dave Moretti. So three solid veteran judges for a fight that I do believe most people think will go the 12-round distance. Uh, I caught up with Vasily Lomachenko this week. You can catch that full interview on uh, youtube.com slash morning combat. But here's Loma's response to not just this element of, of the head games, but the trash talking in general, as Haney has been brash this week building up to the fight. There's been some trash talk. Haney says he's going to retire you. He says you're a dirty fighter. How do you respond to this stuff? Look, you, you know, I'm not a trash talker. I, I just I just believe in the real deal. And uh, if, you, if you say something, you need to prove this one. So uh, I like, I like, then you are a real deal. And uh, it's better than you not talking too much, but then you, then you are uh, in a deal. Then you're doing for it. Yeah, but, but then you're doing uh, something, you prove this one. Okay, okay. Well, Loma, everybody's talking about this video where you and Haney are walking down the hallway, I think yesterday, and he says, you're a dirty fighter, you know it. Why, why is he saying that? You you are not the first man who asked me about this one. I don't understand. I don't understand. Maybe it's a part of uh, uh, plan from uh, his side. Maybe, but I don't know. I do give credit, by the way. Luke Loma has come along on his English in, in a big way uh, in the last few fights. So it's a great to chat with him. Uh, you're seeing an old veteran, an old warrior there say, look, I'm, you know, it's what only thing that matters is in the ring. So let's talk about that. Luke Lomachenko. A betting underdog, get this, for the first time in his 20-bout pro career. That, that's, a, that's a big deal here. And even though he's on a three-fight win streak, the big narrative about what Lomachenko will we see on Saturday has seemed to center around his last fight. October of last year, unbeaten Jermaine Ortiz came in with a 16-0-1 record, fresh off a big win on Showbox. I called that fight. He made his move. It would go down as a 12-round unanimous decision win for Loma. 115-113, But Luke, your thoughts on this. What we learned in that fight certainly was that Ortiz does look ready for primetime and he subsequently signed a co-promotion deal with Top Rank. We also know that Jermaine Ortiz was a key sparring partner for Lomachenko in the two years leading up to their fight. And I do want to sprinkle one more thing on top of there. Loma kicked off 2022 on the verge of signing for an undisputed championship out against Cambosis. Then the war in Ukraine broke out. He left boxing, went to the front lines, protected his hometown and his family, comes back 10 months later. Are there truths here based on this Ortiz fight that Loma is a step back at 35? Well, I mean, this is the problem with this fight in terms of just trying to get a, a sense of any of these questions. We really don't have enough evidence to conclude anything. I mean, this fight is supposed to be the thing that gives us a much clearer sense, maybe about Haney's upside, maybe about Loma's downside or inevitable downside, or whether he's already on it. You know, I gotta give I gotta give you credit, BC. I remember before the Ortiz and Loma fight, you being like, uh, Ortiz is, you know, a little bit better than folks give him credit for, but he's not gonna beat Lomachenko. And that's basically what happened. People in public seemed much more surprised than what you had predicted actually was the most likely thing to happen. So 
there's a lot of different ways I think you you could look at this. At 35, we just know that is unforgiving territory in yeah. combat sports for this weight class. It just simply is. The thing about it is, like, I I believe that there are questions about how these two match up in terms of being an open stance fight, Southpaw versus Orthodox, which is what it's going to be. I think there are going to be real way, dude. Like, explain to me in either direction what somebody could say is the decisive factor that makes them think one guy is going to win. Like, there's a lot of different ways where these guys are really good and bad right. matchups for the other one, and it's just hard to know which one will be the dominant factor other than BC. I do think one way or the other, Haney being 24 will be will be rather noticeable down the stretch. It very much could be because you said the unforgivable nature of being in this weight class at that age Let's also add in the fact that Lomachenko's style is built almost exclusively on speed, uh, quick twitch, explosiveness, even though he's not known as big, not big power puncher. And that fact right there, look, his natural weight class, if all things were equal in the sport, would be 126. He left that weight class because no other champions would fight him. He went to 130, couldn't get big names, no other champions would fight him. Like, he deserves, obviously, hella respect, and I do think he gets it for fighting at a division that's so over his head, for constantly fighting against bigger fighters, you not only have a bigger fighter, you might have the most skilled and well-rounded fighter, maybe with the exception of Gervonta Davis, in this division. So it's interesting right there. But to close on the Ortiz fight, it's like we did see Loma get hit more than normal. Sure, definitely. There were markings on his face. Ortiz also not a big power puncher, just to be fair. Let's hear one final time from Loma on his opinion about all this old talk. People are saying now, Loma is old. Loma is old. I think that's unfair. I mean, Jermaine is a good fighter. It was a good fight. You got the win. What am I missing here? And uh, people forgot about he was in my camp. He 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 knows me. He, he prepared for, he helped me uh, prepare for my fight, right? right before our fight and uh yeah yeah and he he is a very talented boxer he's very ta talented boxer and it was a very very uh good fight and uh, it's you know maybe maybe this hard fight uh helped me prepare for this this fight for sure for sure do you feel motivated though when people say 35 years old too old and does that does that like make you laugh and go really no 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 you know why my motivated in other things my motivated then you put a goal and you can take take your goal this is your motivation try to do this in a second time and if you can't take in a second time you need to try to do a third time you need to always follow your dream follow your goal and try to take it this is motivation. And Luke, to close on Loma's motivation before we break down the X's and O's here, uh, he did talk to me extendedly here in, in, in another interview leading up to this week. He did admit, and I'd never heard him say this, that he said, you wouldn't know it by my interviews, but he became a bit of an egomaniac in the buildup to the Teofimo Lopez fight. And that's interesting to see him reveal that. He was pound for pound king. You know, he was being talked about by the ESPN announcers as like Superman, more or less, can do anything he loses that fight in which he starts late, but also got humbled a bit by a quick, powerful Lopez. 
And then with the war breaking out in Ukraine, one thing he told me specifically was he used to think about his boxing legacy a lot. He used to worry about it. He used to, you know, try to come up with ideas to, to improve on it. Now he says he doesn't care about that anymore. He doesn't think about that. Yes, the undisputed titles mean a lot to him. He, that's been a goal from the beginning. That's why he took this fight. But he said he's focusing more on personal goals now, life goals rather than the sport. I wanted to note that just to say it does feel like a different Loma. Do you think that means anything come fight night or is this still the same old profession? Uh, tactically, I don't, I, I really don't, I don't think, do when I think about this fight, the, I wish we had the fight poster to show. I, I wish we had it. I, sh I should have thought of it. I didn't. But if you guys haven't seen it, you can look it up. It's got Haney on one side and Loma on the other, and it's chess pieces underneath them, and then the chess board, obviously, that they're standing on. And then the title of the fight is Checkmate. And that's really, really, really at the end of the day what yeah. I think this is going to come down to. It's why Haney is trying to play these games, because any advantage they could get could, in the end, prove the difference between uh, one guy won seven rounds and one guy won five. It really, really, really could come down to that. So... Beyond the motivation factor, I don't really, I, I just, not, that doesn't seem a decisive relevant factor to me. Yeah, indeed. Let's go to this tail of the tape. So Haney, one inch height advantage, five and a half inch reach advantage, which is certainly big, 11 year age advantage. And while we might do the whole, okay, is this too much for Haney, the spotlight too much too soon? Even Loma jumped in and told me, look. He beat Jojo Diaz. He beat Jorge Linares. These are big wins. He's been on this stage. He went to Australia. And Luke, as we have noted talking to Devin Haney before, he turned pro at 17 in Mexico because you can't legally do that at that age in the U.S. Skipped the Olympic route, fought four straight times in four months in Tijuana, ended up taking 12 of his first 14 fights in Mexico. He had every promoter after him at every turn. This is a kid, Devin the Dream Haney, who has like been groomed for this from the beginning. I think a lot of credit doesn't always go to his dad, who's also his trainer and manager, Bill Haney. But boy, have they guided him correctly to get to this point. So Luke, major size advantage. Haney's saying the big boasting stuff. I will retire him. He said, I think everything's stacked against Loma because I'm bigger, stronger, longer, and faster. Luke, as you match up the skill sets here, do you think all four of those are true? Stronger, faster, bigger, longer, like this really is, you know, if you're if you're pitting things against Loma physically, like this is about as as wide as it can get. Yeah, I do think those things are true. The, the speed part, I guess we'll see because timing does beat speed, although timing can also be a function of your reflexes too, right? So there's a lot going on there. I will tell you what I think is probably the more dominant factor. And this is not necessarily always true. In fact, it's in many cases not true at all in boxing fights, but I do think it's going to be very important here. And I bring it up a lot on these Friday shows, but this one I really think it, it will hold true. This has got to be a real big question of real estate about who is the one corralling the other guy and it's very easy to understand that look at Lomachenko think in your mind what his highlight reel looks like it's taking dominant angles it's moving around guys it's making guys turn it's level changing it's all that stuff right he's moving around he's getting guys to either pull into his punches or he's the one really beginning to open up on them as they slowly retreat if he's got room to move and he's not getting hit with the kind of shots that slow him down more generally aka body work uh, that's just going to be a problem for Devin Haney to beat a guy like that. It's too close to give him those kinds of advantages. Conversely, you, we already talked about what Haney was expecting. I think Loma has to crowd the guy. I mean, a five-and-a-half-inch reach advantage with a one. And, and people don't understand this. In MMA, it doesn't feel as salient. But when you only can throw punches, if someone is the same shoulder height as you, that's a certain amount of output you have to throw. 
And people don't think of it like one inch is a big deal. And maybe for guys like Loma, it's not. But again, we're talking about different changes here. Punching up is much more tiring than punching straight or punching down. And so when you have that much reach with a little bit of height then thrown on top of it, um, I just think he that you if if Haney's pumping that jab and pressing into Loma and then taking away his space, or Loma has found a way to crowd him and get inside and then really make him shell up, I think Loma eats him alive on the inside. That's where this fight is either going to be won or lost. Exactly. Because if you're asking yourself, what is there a hole in De Devin Haney's game? Look, I've always said of this four kings, five kings, whatever, the the, the youth, the Gervonta Davis, Ryan Garcia, all these guys, I think Shakur will be the best in the long run. We'll find out. But Haney's the most well-rounded, and he's big. So you're like, okay, what are his weaknesses? Yes, we're never going to stop talking about how he was rocked late against Linares and really had to hold on and almost run for two and a half rounds. But he came back in fights after that. He got you know hit clean in fights after that and no problem at all. So I really think the inside area, if there is a slightly weak part of Devin's game, comparatively to the other parts of his game, that would be it. So, Luke, that plays into also Devin Haney's greatest strength to try to avoid that situation, his jab. It's educated. He controls distance so well. I think him and a young Terrence Crawford are really like the, like the two major fighters that stand out to me where I really think they can win a fight exclusively with their left-hand jab and nothing else because they are such a savant at, at just that, the distance control. The reason why we love this specific fight so much is because Loma, you can't prepare for him. He's so different for that. He uses so many different darting foot patterns and so many educated ways to get inside of you that it's different than the normal sort of equation of how do you beat Haney's jab. But Loma, not scared of it. He was talking to Fight Hub TV this week and said, look, Haney's jab is the same as Ryan Garcia's left hook, but it doesn't work against a guy who knows boxing. I know boxing. The people in boxing know boxing. Look, that's his way of saying, I got no problem getting inside of this. Is there any scenario that you see that if Devin Haney controls and wins this fight, that it is dominantly behind that jab? Or does he need to establish early a right hand to discipline Loma somewhat similarly to the success that Teofimo had? Teofimo seems a little bit more athletically explosive than him I, that's my personal feeling teofimo's got a little bit of bounce quick bounce that haney's got some but i mean here's the part we haven't really talked about either bc um could this be i mean he's got all four titles but dude devin haney's gonna go to 140 right yes he's gonna go to 140 it is a little bit hard I th for him i think to make 135 even at 24 years of age he can do it i think he'll be i think he's got the gas tank for 12 but you know we're talking about like there's a there's a there's a tax he has to pay at this weight class that is significant enough that it deserves mention here. Um, I think is the way I would start it. But um, I, I lost track of your question, BC. I, I was apologize. basically saying, look, this ties into one of the key points. Loma started late against Teofimo. That's yes. what cost him at the end on the scorecards. Even though I do think we all agree the scorecards in the end were way too wide. That was a very close yes. fight in which Loma rallied. Teo, though, in the 12th round, heard him, put the exclamation point. This can't be a Gervonta Floyd Canelo start to the fight to Loma where you're taking right. that snapshot and figuring it out. You've got to, this is probably going to go the distance, but to get Loma off of that, to create a slow start for Loma, Haney's got to not just have the jab, Luke, but that right hand's going to have to sting. He's going to have to make that known right, the right early hand. That, there's a toll to, that there's a toll to pay. Yeah, maybe, but he has to be careful too with that one. Um, 
I, I still think all roads lead to the jab, but I think it, I want to say something too about that jab. But to your point, does he need the right hand to discipline him like like Teofimo? Maybe, maybe, but I I feel like Loma's excuse me. I feel like Teofimo's jab is not as good as Haney's. It's not as versatile. It's not as powerful. It's not as useful. Um, he's got a much better and more centralized to his whole system jab. But the the thing is for me is this: the natural state of this fight is probably going to be Haney taking rounds right because his jab is good it's quick it's sharp his angles are good his footwork movement is good his defense is largely pretty good although at times he's shown ability to get hit but i just want to point out like if lomo defaults to that early for a couple of rounds maybe three at most that's not the end of the world against lopez he let six or seven go by before he really began to begin to make yeah. changes unacceptable against Devin Haney unacceptable you will not beat him if you are waiting until round seven to get the changes going they have to happen and my point is BC if he doesn't make changes enough the default is going to be Haney taking rounds off the jab round two round three round four it will just be that dude he beat Cambosis over 24 without much more than that I realize Loma is better than Cambosis in a lot of technical ways but to your point he is smaller he is older you know, all that stuff matters as well. Like, Loma has to be the one to take away that in whatever capacity he can, and it has to be before round six. Yeah, look, if you let Haney get comfortable, fight's over. The fight's over unless you can hurt him with a big shot. So, Luke, how offensive, I think, is the question here, does Loma have to be early? I think he has to be not only offensive enough to not fall down on a four to nothing, you know, round start to the fight in terms of just feeling things out, I think he just the same in the first two rounds. He's got to get inside and touch Haney. And it's got to be, you know, letting him know, okay, like, like, look, these are two fighters physically that are going in opposite directions. Haney's going to be at 140 before we know it. He's going to be a welterweight stud, probably moving up to 54 down the line. Loma's already over his head. You know what I'm saying? Like, you're not, you know, this is as high as he's going to get. So I don't expect Loma's power to be a threat like we talked about where Linares rocked Haney. But he's got to land with some with some pop early on to sort of set his own tone because you cannot let Devin Haney go downhill on you. He is not afraid to win a fight as boring as possible. He has the skills and tools to do that. Luke, we talk about the fact that Haney is probably not going to be too small for a stage like this. He seems mentally dialed in and more mature, certainly, than than you know any fighter close to his age. But how about this? Despite very good wins over Jojo Diaz, Linares, and two over Cambosis. They're not Loma, Luke. They're not even 35-year-old Loma, to be very fair. Is there a potential scenario here early on where the awkwardness, the uniqueness, the technical brilliance of Loma could have Haney chasing and confused? Or, or, or is that not something you're looking at here? Maybe late. Maybe late. I don't. I do. I think Devin is... Devin is very high IQ, <laughs> very, very high IQ. He's not going to be confused by much. I think he can be, like you mentioned the Linares fight, like he can be a little bit out physicaled, especially if just a couple of years ago when he's still kind of getting into his his full man strength body. Um, you know, he, there's times where I've seen him less physically resilient, but I don't think that's the issue that Loma is going to really be presenting unless shit goes really downhill pretty quickly i think the issue that i think i'm looking to see maybe bc I'm, i mean you got to be careful with this against haney especially in terms of how he retreats but 
I wonder what kind of combination flurry punching we might see from Lomachenko right in between punches to take advantage of him, get him backing up, covering up, and then using that to close the distance on him and then really begin to work on him, you know, get the crowd excited, get the judges noticing, make demonstrative action, and then the rest of the time kind of trying to stay away from the jab if you can. That seems to me an early road potentially that could go down, but of course you can get snipered by Haney as well, so no risk, no reward there. I think ultimately Haney's job, Luke, is to lower the output of Lomachenko. You keep Lomachenko's output down, you win this fight potentially comfortably. But to do that, as we've already established, he's going to have to land power shots, in my opinion, beyond just that jab. And watching, you know, look, i got to give Top Rank a lot of credit. I think they promoted this fight very well. The pre-fight stuff they put out has been fantastic. And, you know, they had that Blood, Sweat, and Tears pre-fight documentary series. And a big part of that, we're watching Haney and Camp really work on power, explosion, Luke, it's like this. When we're talking about these great young fighters, like we don't know yet if Teofimo or Ryan Garcia are going to be great, right? They're very good. They've got questions. I tend to believe Haney is in the same category as both Tank and Shakur from the standpoint of we're looking at three all-time greats, potentially if they all play out that way. At the very least, great talents, right? Like great. If anyone can surprise us in this fight and go to another level we haven't seen, it's Devin Haney without question. I want this to be the fight where he takes that step to where he really hasn't gone yet offensively, where he's a combination punching threat because the the way he is going to have to discipline Loma if he does to lower that output and to make Loma chase, to make Loma put himself in potentially uncomfortable compromising situations is sitting down on that right hand, is bringing in the left hook, is having combination punching. I guess my question to you is because Haney does have his critics because people call him either too boring or they don't believe he has the power and chin combination necessarily necessary to be one of these, what I'm talking about, all-time greats. Do you think Haney, who's only 24, still has a lot of room to grow offensively and maybe this could be that fight to showcase it because this is the best opponent he's ever faced that would bring that out of him? Yeah, I do. I do. I do. I, I, there have been times along this journey where I was not so convinced where there was, I think that there was a time, where, you know, it's, Haney's career is kind of funny, right? There was a time when the hype got a little bit out in front of where he actually was. And then there's now a sort of a point where it's trying to almost catch up with what he seems to be either be doing or headed for. Uh, or maybe to, if you want to say, because he's unified uh, and undisputed uh, already done. Right. So there's been a bit of a seesaw where the hype around him wasn't quite matching exactly where he was at that moment, but was generally in the right territory, just somewhere in either direction. I think this is one of the fights we see where you can get those two a little bit more in alignment, especially yes. if he ends up showing you that. Right. So to me, it's about just kind of, you know, the, it was the, it's the Goldilocks syndrome a little bit with Haney. If the porridge is too cold, it's too hot. Maybe after this one, it will be just right. I mean, at that point, when you have all four titles and you have such a good win against a proven competitor like this, who is maybe older, but this is want to be key about this. Lomachenko is older. He is not washed. He is definitely not washed. And so for that reason, man, the stakes here are huge. And BC, I'll be honest with you. If he goes to 140 and he looks good here, I think there could be a couple of extra levels of excellence that he could eventually yes. reach, depending on how it goes. So big test. We can't say he's there yet. But uh, this is one of those moments where you might you might get a certain view of Devin Haney that wasn't quite in focus before. It might come into to one here. All right, before we lay down our picks here, I will say this. Uh, Loma was 
non, you know, not really into a lot of the line of questioning I was giving him. Look, he doesn't want to talk about his life. He doesn't want to talk about anything, Luke. Loma's answered all the questions is ultimately, sir, let's wait till we get in the ring and then I'll answer all your questions in front of me. But I do think this is two things for Loma at the same time. I think this is the biggest fight of his career. And I also think this is the toughest fight of his pro career because ultimately, Luke, he's beaten bigger guys before, but he's beaten bigger guys who had distinct holes in their game. They're not great boxers, right? Or, or, or they can do some things, but they don't have enough power to keep him off, off of him and discipline him. He's dealing with both right here. I, I do want to ask you this. If that's true, if this is both the biggest and toughest fight of his 20 fight pro career, he's already first ballot hall of famer, right? Two Olympic gold medals, three division champion, won a world title in his third pro fight, became a two division champion in his seventh, three division champion in his 10th. Like who the hell does that, right? Beyond uh, Niowa in a way. How much more would this win add to his legacy? It's tough to ask you that because we still don't know exactly who a Devin Haney ends up as. Mm -hmm. But do you echo what I'm saying here that this would be actually the most impressive win against the unbeaten, undisputed champion who is as talented a guy you could as you could find, what would this do to his legacy in your eyes? I mean, <clears throat> it's hard for me to quantify exactly what I want to say here, but do you remember the feeling you got for the MMA fans? Do you remember the feeling, not the immediacy of it, but maybe like an hour or two later after Izzy knocked out uh, Alex Pereira? Like, and I don't mean like joy. I mean like, wow, dude, the resolve that it took mentally to do sure. that Right, that is so impressive. I think if Lomachenko wins, even a close decision, you might get something like that at 35 to beat a guy 11 years your junior who had all the physical advantages we talked about. Who are, I'm just, just gotta believe me, guys. His style is very high IQ. He and his father, they've done their own path in boxing, and dude, they are they done it right. Like, there's not much you can say critically in the way. And so to get a victory like that, because, I mean, if you just read the boxing forums and the comments, dude, there's a little bit of, like, people ready to move on from Lomachenko. The loss to Lopez being gone, the underperformance against Jermaine Ortiz, you know, and everything else being 35. Here comes Haney. Here comes this new crop of other guys. There's people kind of being like, you ever seen the meme where the kid is dropping the Woody toy from Toy Story? It's like, I'm done playing with you. <laughs> it's a little bit like that going on, dude. For him to wrestle back that space at 35, against a kid, even if he doesn't end up being who we think he is, already to this point is the fucking real deal Holyfield. Man, that would be in... I, BC, I think, honestly, his legacy in so many ways is kind of already set, but that would be one of the most important chapters in his story, quite frankly, and I think it no would doubt. be massively impressive. And I think you'd have to, you know, especially if Haney would, would have gone on to big things, you'd have to lump that in among the greatest, you know, sort of old man wins in history. Like, is that exactly George Foreman at 45 knocking out Michael Moore to win the heavyweight no. title? I don't know. Is it Bernard Hopkins at, you know, 46 beating John Pascal and becoming the oldest champion, which he would break his own record later? I don't know, but it, it'd be up there given the weight class and the circumstances. And consequently, Luke, for Haney, just want to let people know, they have been very calculated, him and his dad, in guiding their career. They, like Floyd Mayweather was all over this guy when he had like just a couple pro fights trying to sign him. They ultimately went with Eddie Hearn and Matchroom Sport and were on his own for a while. Then they took that three fight deal with Top Rank, which forced them to take the two Cambosis fights. This is the final fight of that three fight deal. So if Haney wins this, 
might be the biggest free agent we've seen in, in, in a while here. 24 years old, coming off beating Lomachenko, the undisputed champion. Luke, um, I could see him going anywhere, win or lose here, you know, unless we need an immediate rematch here. You could go to PBC and suddenly we're like, when do we make the tank fight? You could go to DAZN again and suddenly it's like, hey, you fought Ryan Garcia six times in the amateurs and you went three and three. A lot of people talk about that side. Um, I know they're going to go where the best offer is and we'll find out, but something to watch for if Haney wins this one or even if not in terms of his stock and his value. Uh, Shakur Stevenson wants the winner, but that's only, of course, if Haney sticks around. But maybe I'm wrong, Luke. Maybe Tank Davis versus Ryan Garcia is the beginning of more of these young stars pushing to get what they want. We shall see. Let's find out what we shall see in the ring Saturday night, Luke. It's on you here. Um, maybe if not your pick, what we can we can break that down and okay better. You can do it now. But what's going to happen within these 12 rounds in your eyes? Part of me kind of hopes the old guy gets it. I don't think he will, though. Devin Haney is too smart, too physically skilled, too physical. I think in the end, um, it's gonna be it's gonna be razor close, folks. Pro in all likelihood, yeah. it's gonna be razor close down to the wire. There will be swings probably in momentum at certain points, no doubt about it. But I believe Devin Haney is he wasn't ready for this maybe a couple of years ago, as I said. But I think he's ready now, and I think he's gonna pass that test. I like Haney yeah. by decision. And he's barking about that four-year difference uh, where he he should have fought him then. I think he should be happy that he's fighting him now under these circumstances. Exactly. And not even talk about that, although he might be doing it again. They seem one step ahead, the Haney's, in terms of the mental strategy for this fight. Three-fight pay-per-view main card. I'll, I'll give you the pick at the end at the OK bet. But, Luke, uh, Oscar Valdez in the co-feature is going to rematch Adam Lopez. Uh, that was a decision win for Valdez a couple years ago, but he was dropped early. The winner is expected to face Emmanuel Navarrete for a, a world title there at 130. Um, also on the featured prelim, Andrew Maloney is going to take on Junto Nakatani for the vacant WBO Junior Bantamweight title. And, Luke, do you care – at all about the Nico Ali Walsh story, the grandson of the greatest. He's 22. He's 8-0 with five KOs. He's now on the eight-round level here at middleweight on, on Yeah, Saturday. here's what I'm going to say. I definitely am not going to hate on the kid at all whatsoever, but just ring me when he's at or near something, you know, that is the kind of boxing that we cover, the kind of more relevant end. So if he gets there, great. If he doesn't, all right, you know, it is what it is, but good luck to him. Yeah. Yeah, he's, he is working hard. I'll give him that credit. He's gone through a lot of trainers, though, in the past few fights. Luke, the other big boxing item before we move over to mixed martial arts is going to go down in Dublin Saturday in the afternoon on DAZN. Katie Taylor, the pride of Ireland, the undisputed, undefeated, lightweight champion of the world, uh, 36 years old, going to have her first fight on Irish soil. Luke, I had no idea in her pro career, this is her first fight. I mean, it makes sense now considering how big this fight has gotten this week in terms of the, the buildup and, and people talking. I mean, Ariel Luke is all over that over there in Ireland. Uh, but here's a little bit interesting here. Katie Taylor's moving up in weight, 140, and taking on the undisputed champion in waiting here, Chantel Cameron, who's 17 and 0, eight KOs. 32 years old from Northampton, England. Taylor, as I mentioned, 36. She was she's 22 and 0 with six KOs. Uh, let's start here, Luke. Is Taylor the pound for pound best right now in your eyes? I think she would get my vote after the Serrano win, even though it could have gone either way. Where do you lie in this? Yeah, probably. I think probably that's probably safe to to, to say. Um, 
you know, I still think women's boxing is so underdeveloped. There aren't like a ton of great contenders per division, yes. or at least not enough of them. And so these, these again, Serrano versus Taylor is kind of they're not really fighting in uh, the where Serrano's not fighting her natural weight class in here. Taylor's not fighting in hers. Like these women always have to make trade offs in one direction or the other. But in general, I think she's done the best work to this point. So for that reason, Taylor gets my vote as number one. I would agree with you on that. Is 36, though, angling for that rematch. This was supposed to be the Serrano rematch. Amanda got hurt. They shuffled this in place. And, look, this is – I mean, you got to give Katie Taylor credit for what she goes after. Her big quote on the press conference was, one thing that has marked my career is I never picked the easy challenge. I want the biggest test. What's the point any other way? That's the thing, ultimately, that I give her a ton of respect for, Luke. It's the consistency work ethic mixed with the fact that, like – she wants the best. She wants all the smoke at all times. My only problem with the growing women's boxing game, which I'm so happy it's finally growing, by the way, and these type of spotlights are possible, is you do get a lot of undisputed fights where, like, they're just tossing in extra belts to make it undisputed. There's not a deep pool of contenders. But to Taylor's credit, she has fought nothing but the best. This is no different here in Chantel Cameron, who became the undisputed 140-pound champion when she beat... Another undisputed champion when Jessica McCaskill moved down from welterweight. So you see what I'm saying here. There's a lot of undisputed going around because we're just tossing belts a lot of times. But Cameron got that unanimous decision win. She lost, by the way, to Katie Taylor in the amateurs. I didn't find that out till this morning. Cameron ultimately claimed I was only 10 fights into my boxing transition from kickboxing. So it doesn't really count. Cameron also will have a three-inch height and reach advantage as Katie Taylor moves up in weight. Luke, we just set the stage there. What are you thinking here? Katie Taylor minus 175, plus 150 for Chantel Cameron. Some people are whispering the idea of trap fight here, that this may be, you know, one challenge too much. But, you know, watching tape on them, look, these are two-minute rounds. Katie Taylor, no one outworks her in those two-minute rounds. This is only a five-pound difference at the end of the day. Yeah, five pounds could be a lot. I'm not dismissing that quite as much as you are, but I know what you're saying. Like, is that really going to be the difference? Mm, hard to say. Hard to say. I guess we'll see in the end. But I, I'm with you. Just the, the work rate, the volume. And do like, you know, go back to the Serrano fight, her willingness to sell out when she has to. Also, I think from that Taylor fight, maybe she just showed some vulnerabilities, but it also showed some just ridiculous resiliency to getting yes. tagged like that. So um you know listen when they call it a trap fight i don't i don't think that's crazy i really don't i don't know what the, you may have read the odds i may have misheard it bc i, I forget but plus um, 150 what, cameron minus 175 yeah. taylor yeah that's about right dude that's about yeah. right that's not that's not a crazy line at all to me so i definitely nod towards taylor but a little bit of risk here for sure this is the first time in boxing history in this four belt era the last couple decades that we're seeing Two unbeaten, undisputed champions facing off at the same time. Obviously, Taylor can go back down to 135 if she loses, but she certainly can add to her history here, Luke. So not sleeping on this. It should be a monster event there as her she fights on Irish soil for the first time. Luke, I mentioned it a couple of times, but like, do you know that Katie Taylor moved to Vernon, Connecticut in 2016? No one found out about it, including me, for like four or five years. She subsequently bought a house on top of a hill, built a gym inside her house, she also trains at a local gym in Manchester. Uh, to close on this, Katie, setup, we'll get the picks later, but in the Connecticut combat sports pound-for-pound pound rankings, and consider we've got Glover Teixeira, Brennan Ward, Mike Kimball, Parker Porter, Apathy, BC, Chuck Mindenhall, Wellington Terman, Poetan. 
where does Katie Taylor belong at the moment? Is she the queen of Connecticut? Is it too soon for that? How many yes. years of residency does she need? Um, I feel like you got to go. How long has she been there? Since 2016. Ooh, yeah, yeah. I think she gets it. Maybe one more year to round out like the two presidential cycles. But yeah, that's pretty good. All right. That's pretty All good. All right. Uh, Conor McGregor did follow up on what he told Eddie Hearn, and he is the sponsor of this fight with Proper 12. He will be there. Also, Terry Harper and former Undisputed Champion Cecilia Brakus in the co-main for the junior middleweight title WBA. Uh, Luke Thomas, to close out the boxing news, somewhat of a big one here. Ryan Garcia's got the new trainer locked up, and he's going to the top of the line, defending reigning 2022 trainer of the year. Derek James has signed on. Here's a picture yesterday of Garcia in the gym with Errol Spence Jr. Let's hope Errol's working on training for the Crawford fight this summer. By the way, Errol Spence was making fun of how sucked out Ryan Garcia looked uh, before his fight with Tank Davis, so it's kind of funny they're in the same stable now. So. Luke, this was surprising to people. Three fights with Joe Goosen, five fights before that with Canelo's trainer, Eddie Reynoso, and that relationship fell apart. And, of course, this is a very select camp where Derek James only trains big names. Errol Spence Jr., Jermel Charlo, rising lightweight Frank Martin, and, of course, he just added Anthony Joshua in April when he beat Jermaine Franklin. Your thoughts on this change from Goosen to James? I don't mind it at all. I, I I think listen, Goosen for the right guy is gonna he's Goosen's gonna make him a champion. Uh, Eddie Reynoso for the right guy. I mean, we've already seen that he's gonna make him a champion. Goosen as well. Like it's not like one trainer. It, they they all offer something different. It's all about whether or not they work with Ryan. But more to the point, listen, what is Derek James gonna give him? I think a lot more defensive responsibility. I think he's gonna clean up his footwork, probably a lot. These are things that he needs, and I think he's gonna make his offense selective in a good way. Right, not getting out in front of his skis like he did against Gervonta. But dude, you know, and people say, Oh, well, Derek James will make it this way. Dude, no the fuck he won't. This is only going to work if Ryan allows it to work. They cannot mandate it. They cannot make it. And they, I don't know what everyone says. Well, Derek James will find a way to like make you know the workouts this way and he will demand it from him. If Ryan doesn't succumb and give into the process, then it, it doesn't matter what Derek James demands. So no, you're right. You know, maybe maybe Goosen was more accommodating of that relationship, and maybe Derek James won't and will force a change. All I'm pointing out is a change has to happen on Ryan's end first before the magic of Derek James sees any light of day. Especially since he's gone in succession from like the trainer of the year for three years in a row to a Hall of Fame trainer in Goosen. Now to the best current trainer. Could this help? Absolutely. For everything Luke said, let's let's remember, uh, Derek builds offensively potent dynamos who retain their defensive responsibility. That's right. That is exactly what 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 Ryan Garcia needs. But to your point, Joe Goosen could have taught a lot of that too. And Luke, Joe Goosen was on the Dan Rayfield podcast and ultimately said uh, Ryan called him himself to end the relationship. He's not mad. He he trained him in the past. He'll train him in the future if he wants. But Joe was really protective on trying to paint anything negative with this. Um, I do think these piling up reactions, though, because Canelo and Eddie were very honest when when Ryan left about his work ethic. I think it does come down to Ryan buying into the trainer, no question. Um, if it doesn't work here, it's like, who are you going to go to? So I'm hoping for Ryan's sake, he becomes a force at 140, and we see some big fights with Derek James in his corner. Luke, topic number two, let's get into some MMA here. We got an interesting-ish card this Saturday. The Apex to UFC Vegas well, 73. Interesting with an dude, asterisk. Let's be honest. It's just some fights. 
just, just some fights. fights. Just some fights. There are actually about four or five candidates for BC Super Sloppy Special of the Week. So maybe that's <laughs> why I like this. I mean, look, we got we got Beefy Latifi. We got Chase Hooper. We got... No, no, you know, no, no. Here's what we have on this card that I know has your name written all over it. Vanessa Demopoulos. I mean, against, just be honest with the against audience. Carolina, Paco. dude, against Kovalkiewicz. This is like my Super Bowl, right? I mean, we got Edmund Shabazian. <sighs> Main event, though. We've got straw weights, so that gets me fired up. Mackenzie Dern, a minus 170 betting favorite against plus 145 Angela Hill. We had a brief debate argument over my belief, Luke, that this is somewhat of a mismatch fight. I not only don't think it's main event worthy, although I recognize the star power with Dern and how close she will be to a title shot anytime she picks up a big win because of a lot of reasons. Angela Hill at 38, riding a three-fight win streak, even with those plus parts of it to, to it, Luke, she's got to make a leap to win this, even with McKenzie's mistakes, in my opinion. Tell me why I'm wrong. I don't think you're wrong. I don't think you're wrong. There's been two times Angela Hill, I think, was put into submissions, and she was submitted both. I think Random Marcos armbarred her, and um, somebody else got her too. But the point I'm trying to make here is I think that uh, McKenzie Dern – here's the thing. If this was a three-round fight, you might be like, well, it's a little dicier. But in a five-round fight, um, you just you just wonder when Mackenzie Dern gets it to the floor, because she's probably good for at least one, maybe two within 25 minutes, that she'll get the submission once it gets there, right? I mean, I think that's what a lot of people are basically thinking, that um, Hill could certainly win on the feet and probably will win on the feet, but eventually will get taken down, and when she gets taken down, That'll close the show. I will tell you, I'm I, I understand that line of thinking, and were it, I have some doubts about it this time. And the reason I have doubts about it this time is, first of all, I mean, I feel very bad for her just as a person. She described to the media, you know, having to work with different coaches because Jason um, Perillo was working with Luke Rockle for something else, so she had to go do a different gym. She's getting divorced, you know, moving around. Like, this is traumatic stuff for a person to have to go through. Like, gen genuinely traumatic. Even yeah. if it's the easiest divorce, divorce is awful, okay? She said it's so, not. She said it was bad. She said it was very challenging. In the, in yeah, I mean, I mean, and she's definitely playing it euphemistically. She's probably dealt with this, like, just unreal shit, especially when you have kids involved. I mean, it's just a gigantic fucking mess. BC, I did a tape study on her at the at the end of her last contest, and it was just so baffling to me where she would elect to take very um, mechanically disadvantageous positions that didn't allow her for ground and pound and kind of upped her ability to, to snatch arms from certain people. But they were able to – it was kind of telegraphed. There wasn't any kind of physical control to subdue it, and there wasn't enough ground and pound even in the control position. So she's losing these fights even on the ground, B.C., She's not going to make that up in one fight, number one. Sure. Number two, all of these other distractions are uh, seem that they could be rather significant. So if Mackenzie Dern, even with all her limitations, is now functionally reduced because of all of these difficulties, I think that's a real slot for Angela Hill to potentially overperform with volume. That is an interesting setup, the way you put that. Let's hear from Dern herself. So she caught up with Shaquille Majori, our colleague at CBS Sports. You can check out the Shaq MMA channel for full interviews. But one thing was what you mentioned. This is a new start in a lot of ways for Dern. Coming off the majority decision loss to Yao Shanan that really could have lifted her to a title shot. She got the divorce. She turned 30. She's made some changes here, Luke. Here's her talking about uh, entering MMA originally naive and how much that has led to her growth professionally as well. 
you don't really know the game. You don't know who are all the who are all the top people. You know, you don't know who are the who are the best coaches. You don't know what's the what's the best camp. I you know I went from like the lab, then I went to Black House. You know, I trained in Brazil, um, Ruka. It's just hard when you don't know. You know. I was like, you know, you're naive, you know, you're getting into this, you know, and yeah. you're like, you're a nice Where to source person. the best information from. Yeah, yeah, you're the nice person. Everyone's offering you good, you know, management company, you know, there's just so much behind. Oh, God, I can't imagine. Yeah. <laughs> you know, there's so much behind. Everyone promises you all these things, you know, like, we're going to make you going to be the next big star in this and that and money. And the, you know what I mean? It's so easy for you to get, you know, just kind of like, okay, well, what's the big picture? Like, okay, I just need to win each mm -hmm. round. Okay, I just need to like make them give me the submission instead of forcing it, you know, like that's okay, I got it. I can do that, yeah. you know what I mean? And a new hair color, Luke, as well for Mackenzie Dern. And to all any MK female fans out there, just to let you know, Shaquille Missouri is engaged to be married. This this man is coming off the market soon, Luke. Okay, I just want to let you know that as well. Congrats. All right. Hey, Luke, uh, Shaq almost also caught up with Angela Hill. Let's be fair. 38 years old. Angela Hill's recent run has had some some waves. She's had a couple reinvention runs of win streaks that led to look. Are we looking at a contender here? Also had some losing streaks. She's on a nice streak right now. Let's talk about how she was able to bounce back to get here. Main event 38 entering a chance for really the biggest win of her career, to be fair. I left my old gym alliance um, back in, I think, 2021. I ended up leaving them and kind of doing my own thing, kind of trying to find my own schedule and training partners and coaches. And I felt like I, I landed on a good rhythm with everything. Like, I feel like I have a good balance where I'm getting the right training in. Uh, everyone is talking to each other. Um, in that three fight win streak, I mean, three fight lose streak, uh, there was a win, you know, I, I lost to uh, uh, Amanda Lemos in that fight. And it was hard to go from that to losing legitimately. I felt like afterwards because I felt I just I felt like I was coming off of a win and then I lose and now it makes that other loss seem more real. Yeah, this would be a big win, Luke. This has been a nice turnaround for her and uh, 38 years old to be to be in this position. Uh, this is great. Some great longevity she's been able to put forth and, and evolve her game along that time. Luke, uh, there's so many fights that, that tease my sloppiness. Does any fights on here actually get you fired up as an MMA fan beyond this main event? So Joaquin Buckley going down to welterweight, I think is long overdue. Obviously, he's fighting a hammer too. A hammer, it, Luke. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like they didn't make it easy for him, you know, not at all. But I think he also changed or at least he's uh I think this is like he's still working with Extreme Couture relatively new. So I think they're trying to clean up a lot of the mistakes he's made. I think this is a much better weight class for him, even though it's obviously a tough one. But I mean, he had the physicality to contend at 185. But in the end, I don't think that was the appropriate place. So I'm curious to see about that one. Also, BBC, Michael Johnson, Carlos Diego Fajera is interesting. Fajera, 38 years old himself against Michael Johnson, who either can beat the best in the world or lose to guys who are barely on the UFC bubble, and he can do both. So that's an interesting one. And last but not least, Emily Ducati, I think, is a, just a slight underdog against Lupi Godinez. That one uh, should be close, could be really fun. Edmund Shabazian, my fellow Armenian, you know, there's, there's a few little gems yeah. on there. Ducati bouncing back from that first UFC defeat. 
And also, Luke Edmund Shabazian ended his disastrous three-fight losing skid with a stoppage win last time out. He'll be a plus 200 underdog in this co-feature against minus 240 Anthony Hernandez. Um, I, I don't think Coach Edmonds on the on, on the team anymore, Luke. So, uh, no, you know, no, no need to talk about any head movement. But do you see Edmund continuing this streak here? I hope. I hope. I do think he's got a lot of ability, but I think his confidence got shattered. Big yes, time. And dude, Anthony Hernandez is like the kind of guy who could give him some real problems. So this is a fairly big test, actually, to see not just where his skill level is, but where, you know, where is your confidence in your ability to compete here uh, anymore? Looked pretty good in some certain spots more recently, but this is a tough one. And you mentioned that Buckley fight. Fialho is on a two fight losing skid, but dude, he comes to bang. So that's going to be a war. Uh don't sleep as well, Luke. Mahashate versus Slava Claus is like right yeah. up my alley of, of weirdness. Yeah. I'm ready for that one as well. By well, the way, also Chase Super ticket on Nick Fiore. Chase Super, um, I think he's, I think, well, let me see this fight. If I'm not mistaken, BC, uh, this fight is for Chase Super at 155. Um, he's looked a little bit bigger of recently. He's obviously fought as, uh, usually fights at featherweight. So he's trying to think, go up a weight class here. And you know he's kind of filling out. I, I'm. I he had a lot of momentum coming off the early contender series. And, you know, he's had some stumbles in the UFC. Nice kid, very smart kid, very young kid as well. I'm hoping he can start to get right here. We shall see. I like that kid, and I remember when the uh, UFC PR mailed out that jar of M and M's that had his face on it. Luke, do you remember that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, here's, he didn't I mean, live we, up we, to we, that because he he didn't move his head at all. Luke, if he can move his head off the center line and work on that jab. Because he's willing to fight to set up the the submissions, he's willing to. But yeah, dude, I mean, he's he's he has all the grit in the world. He's got very good submission skills. But they put him in the UFC really, really young. We talked yeah. about uh, we talked about uh, Rosas Junior. You know, I'm not saying those situations will be identical. That's not at all what I'm saying. But you just sort of see Chase Super. I think is super talented, but probably could have used a bit of a slower role up front. Hopefully, yeah. now he can get his footing in a, and as he as he ages. There's just a cruel Raul Rosas meme going around involving speech, Luke, that I I did not appreciate seeing. Thank you very much. Uh, let's I go to topic number three. It's fight announcements, Luke. And how about this report? This feels like a biggie, folks. The Bantamweight division that we all love report uh, from at Judo Better 995 and confirmed later by Ariel Hawani. The UFC is targeting Corey Sanhagen versus Umar Nurmagomedov. Wow, Luke. Well, I got to look at the rankings to see uh, where we're at for this one. Luke, your reaction to a great, great fight. I mean, what what is there to dislike about that fight? What could you possibly say? Well, I wanted to see Corey in this one or Umar in that one. Okay. I mean, maybe you have a personal wish list of which way you would have seen either guy go. But just in terms of a fight fan, like what we're asking promoters to do, you know, we bag on the UFC, we bag the UFC on a lot this week, dude. They're, they're. I mean, they're, I mean, yes, they're just giving you. A, you cannot complain about it. You cannot complain about that contest. A very tough one in either direction. A huge opportunity for Nurmagomedov, and frankly, I would also say for Corey Sanhagen, the kind of challenges that Nurmagomedov offers, both as a striker and as a very tough wrestler grappler himself. Man, he'd be answering any lingering doubts that anyone would have with him over that. Like that's if that's not title shot worthy, beating a guy like that, then really nothing is. But Nurmagomedov could zoom up the rankings with yeah. a win over Sandhagen. What a fight! Yes, please. 
this will be the fifth UFC contest for Nurmagomedov. The 27-year-old Luke is 16-0, and 0, won all four UFC bouts, three by stoppage. We had said for a while that he was, like, not ranked high enough. He's number 11 against the number four Sanhagen. They are correcting that error and giving him a chance right here to catapult into the title picture. They've said it from the beginning, Luke, the hardcores that know far more than my white belt that when you talk about the Abnul Manap Nurmagomedov coaching tree and the great fighters that have come out of Dagestan there and the Nurmagomedov family, that Umar might be the best, Luke. And I'm, I was re-watching some Mahachev fights in the last few days, and um, that's saying a lot, Luke. Okay, <laughs> watch Habib. That's saying a lot. Well, that's a lot to live up for. I mean, maybe it could have been Zabit. You know, maybe it could have been. could have been. could have been. It, it was not going to be. Could have been. Uh, Luke, big news. UFC uh, signed a deal with Sydney, Australia, to to put on a, a series of fights. This is uh, in in the succession of the announcement with Salt Lake City. But Luke, in this case, there's going to be a pay-per-view, I believe, in September in Sydney. And Dana White himself said, we'd love to have I Israel Adesanya headline it. Luke, the real question is, as Teddy Atlas once famously said, Against two, against two, against two, because Luke, you're going to tell me maybe the winner of DDP, Robert Whitaker, like Dana once said. But what about Hamzat, brother? What about Jamal Hill for the 205 belt, bro? Are you leaning anywhere? Well, I mean, if you're the UFC and you can make the trilogy fight between Izzy and Robert Whitaker in. Robert Whitaker's. By the way, Whitaker isn't just from Australia. As I understand it, he lives in Sydney. So you're taking a pay-per-view to Robert Whitaker's hometown, and you're not putting Robert Whitaker on it in a trilogy bout potentially with Izzy. I mean, that seems like to borrow my old phrase, promotional malpractice, BC. Now, of course, it doesn't matter if Drickus Duplessis wins at UFC 290. And here's really what Robert Whitaker is up against. If they, if he wants to be on that card in, against Izzy in that fight then he's got to not only beat Drickus Duplessis, but then turn around in basically two fucking months, because that one's yeah, going to be July. Spoiler alert, Luke, it's not going to be him. Um, that's what I'm trying to tell you, okay? It's not going to be him. Could they speed it up for Whitaker? Yes. We just saw they were willing to do Pena Nunes 3 for absolutely no reason. They make more rematches as a, as a promoter than I do, Luke. But what do you think about those other two options? Because Chamaya versus Izzy is a monster fight, dude monster yeah but again in sydney what kind of gate they could pull i mean they could pull it and don't get me wrong dude it would kill obviously with izzy and hamzat but like with whitaker as well i just feel like that would take it in that market for that gate for those venues it would fucking blow it out the frame as they used to i say. also feel so, like if they just signed a deal luke they can come back so um i don't believe in the true. jamal hill rumor, rumor but i have seen people say like that could be like a really fun stay busy let's sell a lot of tickets let's give izzy a chance to a second chance to go add champ champ to his ledger. Is that, do you think they would do that? Is that on the table? And the reason why people think it's on the table is Yuri Prohatska's sl somewhat slowness of late in getting back, even though it's, it's a rush job from the injury he had. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know. I have no clue where the UFC is on that. I mean, I do think Izzy with that last performance, maybe you disagree, but probably not. He did take a bit of a star turn, it seemed to me. That was such a big moment. It went viral in really enormous ways, and it really showered him with a lot of people. People who are reluctant to give him praise, I think a lot of people came through. So he really leveled up to me. Um, and so maybe he could ride that to another 205 title shot. I don't know. 
But I just got a feeling, BC, they're going to do every... Listen, if Whitaker goes in there and loses to DDP, it doesn't matter. But but if he goes in there and let's say, you know, Rich Franklin versus Nate Marquardt, I mean, just fucks him up inside yeah. of a round, dude, they're going to turn him around. They're going to yeah. turn him around for Sydney. Or Nate Marquardt versus Tyron Woodley, a vicious KO, Luke. Wait, did I say Ish. Nate Marquardt? I, I meant... Um, uh, Nate Quarry, excuse me. Yes, Nate Quarry. Yes, you could have said David Luazo if you wanted to, but Luke, I want to ask you this: Is it a realistic turn of events? Because remember when Izzy moved up and fought um, Jan, we were already setting up the heavyweight championship fight against John Jones to become a three belt champion. Is there a future in which Izzy beats Jamal Hill for the light heavyweight title this fall and then fights in Australia in succession on pay per view? A trilogy against Robert Whitaker and a trilogy against Poetan for the 205. Well, title. I mean, what are Poetan we doing here, BC? First of all, Poetan, first of all, Poetan has to fight Blahovich. And I mean, all of these, like, he's like, dude, if, if, listen, if, if 10 models showed up to your front door and they all took, tur took turns blowing you, would it be okay, the best okay, day of your bro, life? Okay. And it's okay. like, and it's like, well, yeah, but like, that's not going to happen, dude. So, I mean, what are we saying that for? All right. Sorry. Well, can we can we get back to future champion Kevin Lee, Luke? Uh, by the way, did want to shout out, as always, Keith Lee, former Bellator fighter who has made yeah. such a big turnaround as a food, not really food critic, more of a, a savior to a lot of local businesses and stuff. Luke, Keith Lee is everywhere right now. You, yeah. you notice this on Instagram? Like, Dude, Keith Lee signed. I mean, I, I'm, I'm, I'm only aware of this deal, but I'm guessing it's not his only one. He had a deal for like his own kind of, I think like chicken quesadilla at Chipotle. Yeah. Yeah. Like you gotta yeah. be shitting me, dude. He is yeah. killing it. Indeed. Uh, let's see if his brother can come back and kill it. We know he re-signed with the UFC after that Eagle FC excursion, July 1st in Las Vegas. How about Kevin Lee versus Rina Fakret Dinov? That's decent. That's that's close, Luke. That's I mean, I think, you know, it's, and got a triple yeah. double. That's not, you know, if we're playing cornhole, that's like, you know, the bag hit the board at least, you know, you, you got kind of close. Um, Does this move you at all? Yeah, dude, I, man, y'all leave Kevin Lee the fuck alone. Will you please? Did you see his tweet yesterday? No. What was it? Dude, all it was, was yo, fuck everyone in my mentions right now, because all of the news sites had reported he was fighting this guy. And here is what everyone has said. Oh, wow. Kevin came back against this dude, some Russian hammer. He's going to kick Kevin's ass. Poor Kevin Lee. He's a, a lamb being led to slaughter. LOL. You know, every kind of writing the guy off disparaging thing and then fucking tagging him in it. Will you please leave Kevin Lee alone? Listen, is it a tough fight to come back to? Absolutely. This guy, for Kret Denov, is a He's a, he's a hammer. He's really, really good. His two fights in UFC have been decisions. He hasn't quite looked like the destroyer that he was on the regional scene when he was putting guys away like Eric Spicely inside of a round. But, you know, in general, the skill set seems to be quite there. So, you know, it's a tough fight. But BC, you, you know, Kevin Lee has always impressed you and me in ways that maybe the rest of the audience doesn't see. And there's been times we've had to eat crow. I am yeah. still not ready to say this is not a fight he can't win. I do believe he okay. can. Even I thought you were going to say, I am still not ready to say that he's not future champion Kevin Lee. But, you know, we'll see, Luke. I mean, you know, he once sent Gregor Gillespie on a one-way trip to hell, Luke, yeah, with, he a, with a KO of the year nominee. Uh, yeah, that happened once. Let's see if he can get back to those ways with that back of the skull tattoo that is aggressive 
as shit. Luke, Paul Craig, who's aggressive in other areas involving jujitsu and women. Yeah, premarital um, sex. Yeah, we're kidding. Uh, Paul Craig is going to make that UFC middleweight debut. And by the way, it's going to come in London, July 22nd. I like it. Andre Muniz, your thoughts? Love it. To Grappler versus grappler, but very different kinds. So are they going to strike it out? Is it going to be weird? Is Paul Craig going to pull guard? How's he going to look at middleweight? All kinds of weird ones where I think Muniz or Muniz should win. But uh, that one could be all kinds of fun before it comes to a close. Indeed. Uh, are you moved at all on that same night by Brian Barberina against Mahmoud Muradov? Um, not heavily. Not heavily. Okay. Uh, PFL, Luke, the smartest cage around, still figuring out the details of the Francis deal is the cage at the moment. By the way, I have uh, an interview with PFL's CEO, Peter Murray, on Monday, and I'm going to ask him, what about that fucking cage is smart? Dude, you... Dude, you better go deep on that cage. At least five questions on the cage. All right. All right? Yeah. Okay. Uh, Luke, here's the deal. PFL 5 is June 16th. Ante Delizia versus Maurice Green in a crocheting heavyweight main event. Larissa Pacheco, who had defeated Kayla Harrison in their trilogy bout to win the championship last year by upset, is going to take on Amber LeBrock. You got Biagio Librock. Librock, Biagio Ali Walsh, the grandson of the greatest, is going to fight Aspen Ladd back against Carolina Sobek. Uh, names you know kind of throughout the rest of that card. And also PFL 6 is one week later, June 23rd, defending champion Olivier Oban Mercier against Anthony Romero. Also welterweight champion Sada Busi against Shane Mitchell. Shane Burgos is back against Yamato Nishikawa. Clay Collard and Stevie Ray will be a brawl. That's a um, fun one. That's a fun one. Do, do you care a lot? Because that same night, June 23rd, Cedric Dumbe is going to make his debut against Jara yeah. Al Salawi. Yeah, I mean, the Cedric Dumbe debut makes that must-watch. And there's a lot of names that have come through the PFL system. Clay Collard, Megamed Karamov, uh, Natan Schultz, uh, you know, Hauschman Fio. I could, you know, you, you mentioned it, Sadabusi. There's a lot of them on there. These are fine fights. These are fine fights. But it's like, dude... People are like, why would PFL? I've seen them be like, this is a signing Francis is a bad deal for PFL. Motherfucker. Dude, do you not understand now why they signed Francis? These fighters are not, we are not disrespecting them as talents, but these are not people, uh, and these are not matchups that history has shown is in any way going to get you television ratings or is in any way going to get you a big gate return. It, that This doesn't exist on this side of the aisle. You might get quality MMA, actually bc like you do get that you get some quality mma yeah. and if you're into quality mma well here you go you get plenty of it and shane burgos is great I mean, we, I mean there's lots of good fighters on this card please don't misunderstand me but this is why they tried to sign him is because the the, the roster that they have while respectable as talent doesn't get them to any place where they're making well, money at all when bellator hit its you know, you can argue its biggest point in terms of relevancy and ratings and money and all that was, was those uh they were on live cable television, Luke, when you're bringing in legends and you're bringing in Kimbo Slice and you're going in that direction. Signing Jake Paul and now signing Francis Ngannou is also that type of ideal because Bellator also had great MMA up and down that card. But you got to you got to splash the pot to get people to take notice. Right. You got you know, you got to jump. It's, in the it's just a, it's just as simple and, as that, dude. Like the, either you get people that will watch because they have a big enough name or you don't be like, oh, Francis is not a star. Dude, Francis is a bigger star than basically I'm, BC. And in what way am I what I'm about to say is wrong. 
Francis Ngannou is a bigger star, however limited you think that might be, than everyone else, not Jake Paul, everyone else on the PFL roster combined. combined. Except for Randy Couture. And also, Luke Thomas, um, are you prepared when Alistair Overeem comes in for a rematch for Ngannou's pay-per-view debut on PFL or no? no I've seen not. people mention the Uberim angle. That might happen. The Verdum angle might happen. Some people are saying, what about Rico Verhoeven? I don't think you can do that Ooh, on pay-per-view. that's interesting. But... Yeah, we yeah don't but need is Fedor, Rico going to sell think. here? Yeah, I don't need Fedor, though. We don't need Fedor. You know? No, I'm past Fedor. I'm, How about I'm defending that. Bellator heavyweight champion Ryan Bader? I'd be down for that if somebody can that's make not that. A, I mean, as a pay-per-view, no. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're, you got a good point. All right, dude, Lucas, if you're going to put up $2 million purses for opponents, you need to sign one of the UFC guys. Simple as that, dude. Period. Yeah. Maybe Derek Lewis if he keeps losing. But watch, he'll fight, he'll sign an eight-fight deal out of nowhere coming up, right? He'll be like, oh, Derek <laughs> Lewis is back. Great. Right, yeah. right. Uh, Luke, every Friday we go head-to-head five bets apiece. And uh, the goal here is to embarrass each other and ourselves probably by our under 500 performing records, or at least me. And the end goal, Luke, is to force the other one to go to a concert with doc cameras that he doesn't want to be. And I'm not, I'm not against, by the way, picking as the rock concert. If I win one of those Shaq Majuri Majori raves where he dresses up like a cow and like holds light sticks and stuff, Luke, that could be, I would waste my pick for that any day to see you, to see you just die in that Luke. Yeah. You're going to have fun at the dying fetus show. So get ready. Okay. All right. Well, here's the intro, Luke. It's called. Okay. Bet. Only we don't hear the ching ching too often, Luke. Last week, uh, you wow, last week you sucked the horn, Luke. One and four. Well, uh, well, I should be two and three, but I fucked it up a little bit in the way I said it, so it is one. Yeah, and four. you did. How about your boy BC? Four and one last week. So here is the updated. St- I would You're like. like I like how like- you went four and one, and your record is still absolute feces. I want to put on like a full screen of our picks and what we got right and wrong. Maybe that's too much work. I don't know. But Luke, here we go. The updated standings, as you see, 33, 30, and one. Luke in first place. I'm about seven-ish games back at 26 and 38. Not as bad as it was a week ago, Luke. Let's see what we got this week as the defending champion, the reigning and defending. Are you going first or second? Uh, I'll go first. I'll go first. Okay, main event. Uh, there's kind of two big ones this week, Luke. Which one are you going with and who are you picking? Yeah, we talked about this before the show. We, re- we usually like to do the same main event, but because it's kind of weird and we've been picking the same ones over and over again, we decided to do different ones. So I'm going to go with the UFC main event. BC, again, under most circumstances, I definitely would have picked Mackenzie Dern. I'm going to go Angela Hill, and I know that's crazy. I know a lot of folks are going to say, oh, listen, listen. If Mackenzie Dern goes in there, grabs a wrist, pulls guard, gets to mount or the back, and then chokes her out inside of a round. Is anyone going to be like, oh, I didn't see that coming? Yeah, of course, of course. I'm taking a bit of a flyer on Hill. I, I do believe in her upside at uh, when, when she can get her volume cooking. Uh, Fight Metric says she's a little bit hard to hold down. She gets up pretty good. She doesn't spend a lot of time in control positions. And with all the distractions that Hearn, excuse me, Dern has, maybe that might add up to something. I'm going to take a bit of a flyer here on the underdog in Angela Hill. Yeah, you're going to be wrong on that, Luke, and I'm going to continue to win on mine. And I love <laughs> Angela Hill, but uh, I don't think she has the UBL because what your what your stats don't tell you is there's levels in this game. And I still think Dern, while not a complete product, as I said on Wednesday, 
is more angling more toward the top level. Those are the people that beat Angela Hill. We'll see. Some people do their best art, Luke, when they're going through disruption in hell. You know what I mean? Like a great divorce record. Like that's in rock mm. music. That's the best time, Luke. Let's see if that is the same. Yeah, that's when I did my most drinking. So that didn't really work for me. Yeah, yeah. My main pick is on the boxing side and it's the ESPN Plus pay-per-view Saturday. And Luke, I'm going with the dream. Devin Haney, the youth. Um, He's not only uh, going to be a problem physically, I don't necessarily mean we're going to see a, a necessarily. It would be a smart move by Haney to show some physicality. I don't think we're going to see that, though, because he is too clean and, and technical of a fighter. But he's going to have to show us the, the size matters in this, that he's the bigger puncher in this while also establishing that jab. There's a lot for Loma to overcome. Could Loma make this an interesting 12-round fight where you go to the, the decision and go, you know what? Maybe one of these judge has it for him. Yeah, it, it, Loma's that great for a reason. He's going to surge in the second half, people. That's what Loma does. The more he figures you out, and even though Haney is amazing, Haney's not dynamic, though. Haney is fundamentally amazing. Haney is meat and potatoes amazing. Could Lomachenko win this? He very much could. That's why those odds are close. But I know, I know greatness when I see it. Haney also has it. The other factors lead in his direction. Give me Haney by unanimous decision, but you could have an argument that it could go somewhat in the direction of Lomachenko. We'll find out. Look, who's your favorite? Yeah, for my favorite, I'm going to go with Anthony Hernandez over uh, Edmund Shabazian. According to our friends at Caesars, he is a, well, not a gigantic favorite, but a pretty clear one, minus 200 to Shabazian's plus 170. BC, this is a tough fight for Shabazian. Again, he's certainly had his ups, he's had his downs, he's had a bit of his rebounds. But Anthony Hernandez, you know, has shown an ability to really overperform against expectations. He can be a dynamite on the feet or the ground. He fights in, a, in, I think, a bit of a physical, aggressive style where Shabazian's a little bit more of a slickster and Hernandez is simply not going to accommodate that. So you know, certainly, I, I, you know, listen, I hope Shabazian proves me wrong because it would be great to see him get back to uh, a great spot. But I think Hernandez is going to make it difficult for him. Hernandez has won four of five, Luke, three of those by submission. So interesting. I like that pick for you. I think that's a good one. I'm going to go to that DAZN boxing main event. Katie Taylor moving up to 140, taking on the undisputed champion, Chantel Cameron. Here's the deal, Luke. I, I, it, the age here for Katie Taylor, like one of these days it's going to matter. I don't think we're here there yet. I think the fact that the women's game still is 10 rounds, two-minute rounds, as much as we don't like that, I still think this is going to fall into Taylor's hands. Yes, she's moving up in weight. Yes, Chantel Cameron is unbeaten. But Chantel's a, a high-volume fighter, very good with her jab, really kind of telegraphs a looping right. Yes, she can get into skirmishes in the inside and as the bigger fighter with a three-inch height and reach advantage against a you know older opponent. We do have to keep that in mind. But look, you're going to see quick flurries here. The reason why Katie Taylor is so amazing in these crazy two-minute rounds against another great fighter, whether it's Serrano, whether it's Delphine Persoon, who she fought twice, and I thought that first fight could have been a draw, is she'll match you in volume and aggressiveness, but she's also got better technique. She's got better combinations. I mean, look, the more I'm learning about Katie Taylor from watching the, you know, the documentaries that they do about her ahead of fights and whatever, at the end of the day, like I know there's a lot of hero worship here because she does mean so much to, to Ireland in ways that we don't even understand at times in, in the way that we look at U.S. athletes. But she's puts in the work, and as you said earlier, Serrano like 
gave her the knockout type punches and she fought through that and bit down and got her legs back under her. Pursun was all over her in that first fight and she figured out a way to get her offense off and deal with being rocked and, you know, I think that she's still got too much dog in her and the fact that we're in Ireland and this is going to be the homecoming, which I get you can go, maybe this is the trap fight. She's older, she's at home, there's a lot of pressure. Luke, Katie Taylor seems to only live, and I say this as a compliment, not a dag, not a jab, she only lives to please Ireland and give everything she has to this sport. That's still tough to beat, even though she's moving up in weight against an undisputed, unbeaten champion. I'm going to take Taylor by decision at minus 210 here, and I think I'm going to be right. Uh, I'm going to give her this. Let's see what happens in that Serrano rematch, though. Okay, fair enough. For my next pick, BC, I think it's a fair one that you make. I'm going to go for my underdog, and I'm a little bit surprised, I guess, that he is an underdog. Well, I am and I'm not. It's Michael Johnson. But I, Michael Johnson, our friends at Caesars have as a plus 125 to Carlos Diego Fajeda at minus 150. Now, Diego Fajeda has really had a rebound around the age of 35 or so, really coming into his zone where he could box up at safe distance. He works with Fortis MMA. He's a really good black belt on the ground. There, about that, there can be no doubt. So, like, to me, Fajeda has shown more well-roundedness and upside in that sense. Michael Johnson, I think, has gotten his feet under him a little bit better as of late. And more to the point, Fajeda is now 38 years old. That's kind of ancient for that division, even though I do think he's got some skills. So he might make it tough for Johnson, but I think Johnson's still got some speed. He definitely, uh, Fajeda is a little bit stationary for there to be for him to be hit. I think Johnson could pull this one off. It's tight. It's close. This whole card is filled with minus 110, plus 100, all the way down. But um, Johnson is my pick. I like him at uh, plus 125 to get it done. I love taking a puncher at low plus money, Luke. I love that any day of exactly, the week. Let's, right? go to, let's go to my underdog pick. And uh, you know I like this fight because it's going to be a wild fight. I like the personalities involved. Vanessa Demopoulos is taking on Karolina Kovalkiewicz at women's strawweight. Plus 110 on Demopoulos. So here's the deal, Luke. You know, skill for still historically, Karolina's the better fighter. But she's 37. She did have that five-fight losing streak, which she could have retired. They could have cut her at any time to her credit. She's come back, got in great shape, won two in a row. But, like, she's grinding out these wins. They're not overwhelming me here. There is, a, there is at times, a plus part of Demopolis's game where, yes, she takes damage at times. Yes, she falls behind in fights. But she does make dramatic change of, of momentums when it comes to her submission game and the threat she puts on down there. At this age, with this situation, Luke, you get into a fighter with Carolina, I think you can get her in a, in a spot uh, – where you can catch her off guard and get one. So I'm going to take the underdog here, Demopolis, and I wouldn't be surprised if we see a sub, Luke. I'm telling you, Demopolis by sub, yo. Demopolis by sub. All right, BC. Uh, for my over-under, this one's pretty easy to call, I think. Uh, it's the biggest disparity on the card in terms of the odds. Natalia Silva taking on Victoria Leonardo. Silva just seems to be a lot more well-rounded, a lot more capable, Um just a lot better overall. I think that this one does not go the distance. Give me Silva inside the distance, but in any case, it doesn't go the distance. And Luke, since I'm behind, I've got to take easy picks to build this foundation back up to make a run at you. So over under, you know what will go the distance? Emily Ducati versus Lupita Godinez. Tell me I'm wrong, Luke. Um, it's going the I, distance, dude. Hard to okay? say. Hard to say. Hard to not say. Not that hard. Not that hard, bro. No? All right. Last but not least for me, my KO or sub. Taking a risk here because what is this? you look at one of these and you're like, oh, it'll definitely be this, and then it ends up being like a wrestle fest, you know? But 
I, you know, I'm going to take a flyer on the idea that Andre Fialio versus Joaquin Buckley ends in KO. You got two guys who like to strike. Buckley is a dynamic punching, a power puncher and kicker, obviously a 185 to say nothing of 170, we're going to assume. So, uh, yeah, I like that one to maybe end in KO. Yeah, I think you got that right. I'll give that. I'll I'll, I'll concede that point already. You got that. That's a good pick. And I got KO or sub. We're going to go submission. I mean, look, sorry. Mackenzie Dern by second round submission. I, I see it written in the clouds. Okay. That's that's the direction we're going. Give me Dern. You're going to let me take Dern by submission here, Luke. Come on. Over five. She got 25 minutes to make it happen. She's back. Your boy BC is back. I'm coming for you. There it is. Thank you very much. Luke, we close with a couple of dead wrongs because we try to be transparent. And, you know, all the things, Luke, that <laughs> Dana White won't be. We try to be over here. By the way, Luke, my friends over at MMAI, they just launched a video uh, breaking down uh, Dana's claims about Power Slap uh, winning the internet. So it gets very nerdy. So if you're into that, you know what I mean? If you're into point-by-point -point dissection of where Dana may have misled us, then check that out. Uh, Luke, we don't always get it right, but we're willing to give you our email address, morningcombat at gmail.com, for you to complain about it if we do get it wrong. And it's called Did Wrong. Oh, we don't have the animation? Great. We've got male angry viewers. Uh, okay, no animation today, but there we go. Luke, let's start with Kevin at 1330 of episode 442. BC calls Francis Ngannou, I know I got killed for this, I I, I get it, a successful African-American man. Well, BC, you're dead wrong because Francis was born in Cameroon, moved to France, and only trains and fights out of Las Vegas, making him Cameroonian French. Yes, I guess, Luke... Now, I didn't like say, I didn't say Francis Ngannou is an African-American. I was saying, why is, why are people being so hateful against Francis and not even giving him a chance to win the whole free agency thing? Is it because, I guess I wanted to say, is it because you don't want to see a black man successful? And I think I said African-American, Luke. So in that case, it would have been wrong. Although Francis is from Africa and lives in America. So isn't that, am I legally binding there, Luke? I just think you're racist. <laughs> all right well i might have been dead wrong and i guess i in in the, the to yes i was dead wrong thank you very much there you go uh francis is in america in brett okamoto's old house luke and don't ask him about it because i had to edit out that awkward answer when i when i was like did brett leave behind any nudie mags or anything and francis was like i don't talk about this <laughs> i don't know i just you know he was like shut up let's go over to nick luke i have heard you use this phrase once before on mk and let it slide as a possible misspeak but you have just said it again on your Nganu signs with PFL reaction video. The phrase in question is the turn card on the river. As an avid poker player, I can no longer let this slide. In Texas Hold'em, the fourth community card is known as the turn card, and the fifth is known as the river card. As such, you do not get a turn card on the river. You get a turn card and then you get a river card. What you should instead say is we will have to wait to see what the river card brings or something to that effect. Thanks. It's Nick. Dang. I didn't realize that. I had it explained to me that every card was a turn card and that the fifth card was also, well, the, the, the last one was called the river card on top of it. I misunderstood. Fair correction. I'll take that one. I'll take that L. All right. Who, somebody in poker monsterly just died. Doyle Brunson, Luke, age 89. Are you moved at all or you didn't get into that? He died, pool? right? Is that what you're saying? He died? Yeah, recently? yeah, he died. Do you think he's ever paid for sex, Luke? 
I mean, probably, right? How many friends yeah. do you know? I was like, not, 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 not I, guessing, I'm not like, answering know this. for a fact. Dude, I have like uh, half a dozen friends who I know for a fact. Yeah, all your Marine stuff. buddies, Luke. Thank no, you for all the banker you. friends I have, dude. Those yeah, guys are the biggest dirtbags of them all. You do have a trend, Luke, in your life. You tend to attack, attract and hang out and make friends with dirtbags. And does that sum up me too? Oh, wait. Yeah, no, we're not actually right. friends. Luke, we don't you hang out enough on into the road that road bear, bear trap. <sighs> First job, not BC, Luke. Oh, God, I mean, seriously here. We got one more dead wrong from Jonathan. On Friday's show during Deuces Wild, LT, attempting to prove his own machismo, kept yelling, we're firemen, we live in the fire, in a reference to Teddy Atlas's rousing speech to Timothy Bradley, which, by the way, was in the Manny Pacquiao trilogy fight. LT yeah. is a donk. The correct phrase is, we have firemen. The heat doesn't bother us. We live in the heat. Uh. End quote. I like We Live in the Fire a little bit better, so fuck you. I just redid it. All right. There you go. Chickity big dang. Chickity bing bing. I do that to Tuki every morning when I wake up. Yeah, you do it to us all over the studio, and then you... Look, you know what? I'll, let's say this, because this show is not a show today. It's more of a setup and an intervention. Your public farting is out of control. It's not just like there's public farting among men for comedic purposes. Yes. Right. In the timing of it, you are just spamming the globe with your absolute bullshit. And I'm sick of it. Okay. All right. Okay. I mean, here's the reality. This is the truth. And I mean, okay, here's the, here's the real truth. I just enjoy spraying you guys with my feces. That really is the truth. However, <laughs> however, however, however. <laughs> Because I had, I got, I got, this is a true story. I got hospitalized, I don't know, about two years ago anyway, with diverticulitis, the same thing that Brock had. I, Brock yes. had like the worst version possible. I didn't have that, yes. but I had the, the same thing. And it has life, kind please. of messed up my insides to where I have to eat food and supplements now that just have your boy running for the commode. I mean, I mean, it's a <laughs> dead sprint every, every day. And so when I have to hold it in on set, you know, you have to wear my cologne, BC. Yeah, yeah. I've become your cologne. I smell like uh, yeah, packaged meat, probably. <laughs> hey, Luke, I got to ask you this because the fans really care, and they're a little bit upset. They want to know. You guys have promised something. So yes. where's the RSD 1.0, and where yep. is the RSD 2.0 with Ray Longo? Okay, so the Ray Longo one, I'm not entirely sure, but I believe that's coming out soon. Uh, Mikey can tell us. But here's what I can say. Oh, yeah, here we go. So here are the RSDs, the OG, the old school RSD with me and BC just talking. I, I watched it last night. I think you guys are going to really like it. That's Sunday. Sunday, that will be up. You can go to youtube.com slash morning combat, right? That's where you're going to get it. And then Tuesday, Tuesday will be our sit down with coach of the universe, Ray yes. Longo, Long Island's finest. Both of those will be at 11 a.m. in the East. Sunday, old school. Tuesday, Ray Longo. There you go. We had some great talks, too, with Ray, you know, from all things, you know, finding Marab, raising, you know, a trio of world champions in his gym, including Aljo right now, uh, you know, pr preparing for Cejudo. Uh, he talked a lot about Matt Frivola. He, and didn't he, he questioned um, how many people Joe DiMaggio probably had sex with, too. And I enjoyed that portion of the conversation as well, Luke. Okay, so there was that going on. Don't miss it. 11 a.m. on both days. Uh, hopefully we won't get fired on the other one. Look, if we're bringing back RSD 1.0, do we have to change the name so like it's not confusing to people? Uh, we might have to. Also, uh, Mikey is reminding us that the big story is that 
Matt Sarah apparently at one point was accused, although legally exonerated, of biting another man's ear off. And yeah, that's a gnarly story. Ray <laughs> Longo tells that story. Maybe for the first time, I think. It was like, yeah, it was great, you know. He likes spicy Latin women too, Luke. I'm I'm all in on Ray Longo. That's my guy now. Yeah, uh, hard guy to dislike. Very yeah, hard guy indeed. to dislike. Uh, thank you for Mikey Mormile CBS Sports on the ones and twos. You know those labels that pay us. You can go to Showtime.com right now to get your 30 day free trial. Why not? Right? I think Luke, you can also you can also bundle it with Paramount Plus as well. So check out, look into that. That's going to be worth it for you right there. But uh, nice comment there from Danger Mouse. Ray Longo been calling out Dana saying Aljo has not signed or agreed to anything. That Luke, that's a big reason why you said the other day, great great on the fight announcements to get the Francis out of the news cycle UFC, but but all them all them hoes here may not be loyal. No, are, yeah, are dude, signed? I told did, did I did we not call it on the show? Did you I not did say when we talked about those fights, we you can only you, dude, you cannot accept the words of promoters at face value. You just can't. You cannot do it. So, you know. Yeah. There it is right there. Luke, do you want to shout out any of our great viewers and thank them this week or not? You're not into that. You're not really into that. Why don't you? I mean, what, 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 dude, why are you pitting me against them like you're the fucking fan whisperer? You're not the fan whisperer. You just like giving milk to stray cats, motherfucker. There's a big difference between those two. Just Luke, so you know, you're cat, not the liaison for me, ass white. Every cat deserves a good home, Luke, and a, and a warm meal, okay? You know what I'm saying? I know Luke, what you're what saying. I, Skits and bits on a Friday. Luke, do the work uh, so you don't miss, Luke, other people's magic, okay? I've, You know, there's some magic in the paquettes, Luke. These are nice people. These are wholesome. They're, very, they're very, very, they're very nice people. I did see them in London. They're very, very nice All people. All right, Bill That's and true. Jen, wellness check. You still out there in Pennsylvania? Get that RV back on the road, okay? I don't even know if they still listen, Luke. You know, we're we're like UFC. We just keep birthing new generations of fans, and the other ones walk away dejected and angry, right? That sounds about right, actually. Yes. Yeah, that sounds about right. All right. Speaking of that, let's wrap it up. Uh, enjoy your weekend, folks. I believe, I believe I will be having a morning combat instant reaction Saturday night after all things Haney Lomachenko. I don't even care if only seven people watch it. Those seven people are gonna get the get, get what they deserve, Luke, right? Hand hand over fist, if you know what I mean, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's the deal. Okay, uh, that's Luke Thomas right there. He's fantastic. My name is Brian Campbell. Thank you. Like and subscribe, all that good stuff. Uh, take care of this upstairs, all right, folks? Put this first. The rest will take care of itself. We love you. We're out of here. Thank you, uh, the hose. I mean, what are you going to do, right? <laughs> what are you going to do, right? You know? <laughs>